0: This is Jamie Finn from Foster the Family, and this is the Real Mom Podcast. Hey there, friends. It's Jamie, and this is episode 18 of the Real Mom Podcast. Today, I have Chardet Dufresne, who is the biological mom of two sons and an adoptee. And that's really where we land. We talk about motherhood and the sweet and the heart of it, but then we talk a lot about her story as an adoptee, her relationship with her adoptive mom, what it was like being a transracial adoptee, and then now what it's like to reunify with family, to get to know more of your story, to share this adoption narrative. It is such a good episode. She shares hard things, but she shares them with grace. This is the combo of grace and truth, and she really brings such light to us. She's a gift, and I know you're going to enjoy hearing Charday. So here it is. This is episode 18 of season two of The Real Mom Podcast. Okay. Hey, Charday, How are you today? I'm doing
1: good. Glad to be here.
0: Good. Yeah. I am excited to connect with you Just to be completely frank about how I got to know you a little bit, I one day was going through my Instagram feed and was like, there are a lot of white women that I follow (laughs) and realizing that... These influencers, whether they're influencers or not, are they look a lot like me and they have similar experiences. And so I intentionally was like, okay, I need to get voices of people who have different experiences, different races, ethnicities, backgrounds. And be more intentional and you were someone when I said okay give me all the people that you follow that I can learn from you came up and I've loved just being able to follow you and get to know you a little bit so I'm glad that we're Instagram friends and now we can be real-life friends and I can share you with others so yeah right, so we always start off tell me about your family
1: yeah I am a wife to one and a mother to two boys. We live in a coastal town called Long Beach in the state of California.
0: A coastal town. A
1: coastal town.
0: Wow. Too. Okay. So you live like beach life all year?
1: Yes. It's such a gift. We're ironically like two blocks away from.
0: No. Coast. Yeah. Right.
1: It's funny. I was telling a friend. Like, it's ironic to think that this is where people come to vacation every day. And so we're seeing just a lot of visitors because of summer. So it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. We do live in like a desirable area.
0: Right. Oh, my gosh. All right. So how old are your sons?
1: Uh, My eldest, Joaquin, is three and a half. And my youngest, Jericho, will be two in two weeks.
0: Okay. So you are deep in the trenches of toddlerism, which is... It's so beautiful and fun and so hard.
1: (laughs) It's so true. And I always tell people, it's like, I feel like now that my youngest is two, I'm kind of seeing a bit of the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, where it's like, oh, I can take a moment to myself and like be gone for a couple hours instead of having to like time things on feedings or like really have to depend on naps. So there's been like just a really sweet new sense of like, Independence and freedom from, yeah, you know, oh, just you
0: wait because you're still every outing is putting on shoes and putting on the coat and packing the snacks. And in like two years, you're really gonna see the light. I mean, the problem is that there's always something, (laughs) and so that's what I've learned. I remember being like, I just got to get out of this stage, but there's always a new stage from what I hear up until they're in like college and you're still trying yeah. to figure out what it is. but now we have a lot of the like arguing talking back that kind of stuff but toddler years for me are are the hardest I think I love to like communicate and sit down and rationalize and converse and and they just cannot do that
1: no that's me too I feel I've told I've been pretty frank with like I'm not a newborn, seasoned mom. Like it's not my jam, and also I have to remind myself. Like my sons have only been Earthside for three and a half years. Seriously, like I have to remind myself because I am yeah. that person too. Where it's like this is what's happening. Let's just be logical. And yet, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not. He's just give him a break. <laughs> you know, right. he's just really still fresh to this whole experience, and so I'm right. constantly reminding myself that constantly.
0: Okay, so tell me right now with your season, your ages, your even specific boys and their personalities, what's sweet about motherhood right now?
1: Oh, What's sweet? You know, I am really enjoying, kind of like you were touching baseball on about outings, like with my eldest, it's now a little bit more easy to do just simple errands, but I yeah. feel like that for him is like filling his love tank. And so for me, I feel like I'm able to just tap in and give into that more than I was ever before and so that's something really sweet where it's like we can just run to the store or like we took him to his first movie and that was it almost feels like a sense of first again mm. which is nice to new experiences um, and with my youngest i'm not gonna lie he's <laughs> it's hard I, I, I gotta really seek that joy with my yeah. second so i always kind of joke it's like he's just approaching terrible twos i feel like both my boys experienced that a little earlier than the actual two But, um, you know, overall, my second is very, like, lovey-dovey, homebody introvert, and that's more my style. So, those are, like, those secret joys of, like, yeah, just be home all day, and I don't have to, like, go, you know, actually do an activity that...
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you just said you have to really seek joy. I want to talk about that for a minute. Last, we just, we're in a super rough season with our kids, And like unusually, you know, like (laughs) there are rough seasons and then there's like, okay, we've been bordering on crisis with one of our kids. and, And so last night, my husband, yesterday was a rough day and it was my birthday. And so that was like extra, okay, this is hard. And now I'm feeling sorry for myself because this day is supposed to be a joy and it's not. So my husband was like, all right um, tomorrow is going to be, you know, giving me like a pep talk. And I was like, no, it's not. And he's like, okay, well, what is your step for fighting for joy tomorrow? Mm -hmm. And I was like, for it's, it's being grateful for all the things that are hard right now. I'm grateful that I'm home with them tomorrow and I'm grateful that we get to go to wick and get free formula for our baby and you know like the things that feel like a bummer or that can feel like earth shattering looking for the things to be grateful in them so I want to know for you what does it look like for you to seek joy with either both and just life in general
1: yeah I think that you know, kind of get after grateful mentality is so key across yeah. the board, whether it's motherhood or just life in whatever season. Um, so I resonate with that, that total really reminding myself of what's, what has stood the test of time. And that usually looks like community and the gratefulness for that. Or mm. um, obviously for me, like my faith in the Lord, like that stood the test of time. Right, right. Um, but then I also think for me, sometimes it's like, you know let me just get outside and like be outside of myself and like ground myself and um for me like appreciation of what i see ahead of me and what's in the now as well mm-hmm. is like that also helps ground me and find joy of like you know i'm like i'm really appreciating the fact that there's i mean this is year-round but like sun and like wind and there's like a whole thing of butterfly migration in my state right now and like so just even those little moments of like, yeah seeking joy doesn't have to be this well, deep thing for me. It could be like, Oh, I just saw a butterfly and that really, that really connects with me. You know, it could be just as simple as that. Yeah. But it's a choice. Like it, yeah, it's a choice.
0: It really is. And I think it's a choice that builds upon itself. So it gets easier that like, not every step has to be a choice because I've chosen for years now. And so those things are in ground. Like, I'm grateful for these things, but we're in a season right now where I'm having to fight for those choices again. And I'm like, Oh yeah, this is work. Like gratitude and joy are something that I fought for for so many years that I gained ground on them. And now it's like, okay, someone's trying, someone meaning (laughs) a particular child (laughs) or the devil (laughs) are trying to steal that ground, but it means I have to fight harder for it. And it's going to be moment by moment rather than, in general, oh, I have to fight to be grateful. Like, no, I'm grateful for this right now. And I'm going to just battle for that. So right. I love that. All right. What is hard about motherhood right now?
1: Yeah, I feel like it's kind of twofold. I, I feel like you said, I'm in the trenches of young humans. And yeah. so I don't know if some of this is attached to like my trauma in my adoption journey or what, but I'm just not the best at always being needed. And mm. so I feel like I've just been in these, what most would call sweet years of um, little ones really needing my attention and uh, my effort and my energy. And, but for me, it's, 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 very, it's sometimes very hard to feel like that's always on the table. Yeah. Um, and the reason why I connect it to my adoption is I feel like I'm in this new wave of not only acknowledging more my journey but then how is that connecting to my adult life and my motherhood and i just remember when i was pregnant i was pregnant by surprise and we had just gotten married and there was just so much fear and Mm. like denial like major denial and a lot of it was questions of like will i really have this mothering instinct Mm -hmm. i didn't get to form a bond with my birth mom is that going to make me not want to bond with my own children? And then, even the realization of two things I'm going to meet someone for the first time in my life that I actually am kindred with, like, or kinship wow. with. And that's yeah. mind blowing wow. as a 30 year old. And then, it's also because my adoption was closed, I had no medical information or very little. And so, it's very much like, what am I passing down? I'm not aware of certain things I should be looking for within this pregnancy and for my child. Um, and so it's just, I feel like I was grappling with that my early pregnancy postpartum, really postpartum. And now it's like, um, learning more about like attachment when you're really young with your mom because I didn't have that. Is that mirroring how I'm like not always wanting to be needed or hmm. I'm not very sentimental towards my young kids. Um, or I'm sentimental about odd things, but not like, I love that they're growing up and some of that's making it easier, but also I'm, I just, I love that they're getting older and I'm not sad that their birthdays pass. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so sometimes when I see these posts, I'm like, Oh, I don't resonate with that. And then I dig deep, like, okay, is that from like my beginnings and my story? Yeah. You know?
0: Okay. So we buried the lead a little bit. Part of yeah. the reason that, you're on the show is because you yourself are an adoptee and we, this podcast, we really just focus a lot on foster care and adoption and have a lot of moms who listen, who are foster moms and adoptive moms. So I love to have guests like you because you teach us about, you know, from your childhood to who you are now, things that we can know from your story that will serve us in caring for our children so can you just start at the beginning the very beginning and I guess just tell me at at least what you know of your story or what adoption looked like for you as a child
1: right yeah I um So when I was born, my birth mom was just not in a place to parent. And so I was immediately put into foster care. Okay. Um, I had a couple months in the NICU. And after that was then put in my first placement home. And I was in my first placement for around a year and a half, two years. And when I was a year and a half, um, back in the late 80s, Los Angeles County, because that was where um, where I was, they would do these kind of it's almost like pop-ups it's a little comical but it's like pop-ups and they would have adoptive parents or you know hopeful adoptive parents and then current foster kids all meet in this one place yeah okay it's it's kind of almost like a show and tell or just like you know these might be the faces or the the little ones that you bring into your home i think the idea of it is good the execution of it is a little odd to me and i don't know if they do it till this day but that's how i met my adopted mom was at one of these gatherings and um she was just there actually to bring two current foster boys to this thing and i just happened to also be there so it's by chance we met and um we really connected that first gathering and you were
0: two at this point
1: i was like yeah one and a half it was valentine's day it was like a valentine's day um Cause I also have a birthday in July. So, okay. um, So
0: what do you know about your foster mom for that first year and a half?
1: Yeah. So that foster placement, you know, it's, it is honestly one of more of the horror stories, quote unquote, they were really in it for the funding that they received. Yeah. Um, So there's just a lot of neglect, a lot of what I experienced abuse wise, really related with food. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think from what I remember, it's like, I remember, it's crazy. I remember just, there was five of us in foster care and then they had their own biological children. They had a pretty big house and we just had one room, all five of us. All the ribs. Yeah. And we had no toys and um, there was just no stimulation because their mentality, these foster parents' mentality was, the slower to development we are, the more money we can receive for like resourcing, right? But really a lot of it, I think, from what my mom was saying, it's just more of like pocketing that extra funding and which is rough, which is hard. Um, so I feel like a lot of my experience there was just more of neglect and like feud, what I would call feud abuse or um, kind of like using food in a way that yeah, you wouldn't, you shouldn't be using with a young child. Yeah. 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 So yeah. That was, and then I was taken out of the home because of that. Wow. Yeah.
0: And the more, I think the thing that was most shocking to me is you hear horror stories of the abuse of older children, older children being abused. And you think, like, there's just nothing worse than a 10-year-old being hurt. Right. And then when you learn about the effects on the brain of a baby being ignored, there, you can, the body and the brain can get over abuse if there has been that healthy attachment and if the brain was able to form healthily and relationships were able to form healthily for that first year. And you just think, well, you know, you're in a crib and it and those those are the most painful and lasting of the wounds. And I think as foster and adoptive parents, we need to understand how traumatic it is for a baby to not receive the nurturing, the food, the touch, the face-to-face and smiles, all of that. Um, And it'll serve us in, you know, one of my kids came to me at one and was a story of neglect. And it was just like, well, she's perfect. She's like this blank slate, perfect kid who just, and that first year, it is just so crucial and that is such a heartbreaking thing and obviously a failure on the system to hear that part of your story but i want to hear about your adoptive mom
1: yeah so we met at that gathering that holiday gathering and um a couple months later she got a call from the state asking hey would you still be interested in adopting chardae and she very much was like yeah that would be great understanding that okay this will be a transracial adoption she had been educating herself on transracial adoption, um, as best she could until that time, and even into, like, our...
0: That's family. such a great point, what you just yeah. said, at that time. The, the resources we have now and the voices that we can yes. easily access now, I love how intentional she would have been. I'm not going to age you, but how <laughs> however long ago that was, that really shows an intentionality on her part.
1: And I And I think people, I touched on that because I think people were like, well, how do you guys have such a from what we would call a healthy relationship
0: yeah okay a lot
1: of it is because my mom educated herself early on to be ready for the conversations and um those seasons that are full of grief or loss or questions and um, and that's something i'm so grateful for that she mm-hmm. took the initiative and wanted to be fully prepared as best she could be before she even had a child in her home we did some visitations for a couple months and then she started noticing different patterns and that's when she had asked the social worker to visit my placement home. Mm. And then that's when the social worker noticed the neglect. And um, I was very underweight for my age. And so they immediately pulled all five of us out of the home. Oh, thank the and, Lord. Um, yeah. And then I was temporarily placed with my mom. Um, and that temporary placement lasted four years, which is pretty abnormal. Adoptions usually don't take that long. Um, but we just had different things within our journey in that, in that period before finalization, where things just kind of like added hiccups to the process. So, in the late, early 90s, a lot of transracial adoptions weren't happening in LA. Um, I was very much like same race, two parent home, you know, all those kind of criteria. And my mom was like a single parent, 40 years old at the time, um, and white. So, I mean, she kind of had like three strikes throughout. So, I mean, just getting a judge to agree to our case and all those things. Um, But then, yeah, four years later, I was actually, like, finalized into her family.
0: Okay. All right. So, there's two sort of separate things that I want to hit. And one is what you already went to a little bit, which is transracial adoption specifically. Right. I, you know... As much as possible, because I know things are always sensitive with our families, no matter how healthy and wonderful the relationships are, I would love to know, specifically related to transracial adoption, what your mom did great and what she could have done better.
1: Okay. Um, I think two things that she did great. One, like I said, was educating herself. And so um, that really, I think, provided just this idea in our home that any and all conversations are welcomed, Mm. that there's no, there needs to be no fear um, on either end. And that I think was such a gift to me and brought so much freedom and even encouraged me to even um, really dive into my own self journey and like discovery of my Of my story and with that invitation came acceptance of my story and embracing it Mm. um, because there wasn't guilt there wasn't shame associated especially kid and i think another thing that i really appreciated was my mom was honest about specifically transracially honest about the ways that she's limited in understanding my experience
0: Mm.
1: and that to me is something that allowed me to to trust her journey as well and to say like hey mom i'm really dealing with this and for her to just be as empathetic as possible and be like you know that sounds hard or um you know i I can't fully relate but i have felt isolated in my in in my youth or um friend groups or whatever the situation was i think she was just understanding of like i can understand or kind of relate to you but i'm not going to say oh, I've been there, because that's not my experience. So I feel like for her to even say, like, I don't know, is huge. Mm. It's huge, and it's not – it doesn't mean less or have um, value being taken away when you say I don't know to your kid.
0: So along with that, did she intentionally connect you to either women of color or resources or, like – cultural right. you know like right. how did she do that
1: yeah so that's where the, the twofold is i think okay. that's better. Yeah.
0: yeah okay okay
1: so where we live i'm back into my hometown where i live now and it's very diverse it's one of the diverse most diverse cities in america so in that regard i saw people who mirrored me everywhere. yeah okay tons of, brown, tons of black so it wasn't ever so much that i noticed i was the only one yeah But in my immediate village, my immediate community, I was one of very few people of color. Um, And uh, most of that was one of very few children of color. So I didn't still see adults that were black or Hispanic or Asian or whatever other color than white. Um, And I think, especially now that we're having conversations, we both admit like that could have been Hmm. where we put more effort. And I just think my mom was focusing more on being stable and being consistent and like staying within a community for a very long time, which I think my specific trauma needed that. But in that we didn't move around and we didn't necessarily widen our circles racially, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Yeah. I mean, there's this discussion now of like literally families like transplanting their their family i mean i know i have a friend who lives in montana (laughs) which is like 90 percent white or something and she has a black son and it's one thing to talk about like having relationships and mentors but to literally be the only black child or black person in your community i mean what where do you land on this where would you land on that? I mean, this is a big discussion now, at least like on online sort of things of like, well, move your family. If that's what they need, move your family.
1: You know, I've been asked this by adoptive parents, should we move? And obviously there's so much to that decision. Yeah,
0: for made, sure. Part from
1: my influence. But yeah, I have two things. And I've, it's actually been something I've really kind of struggled in. One was, I feel like the community I grew up in was very white. And I would think they would say, well, we we weren't racist ever. We never said anything derogatory to you. Like we, we are a safe space, but I think what I felt growing up was, but you're not giving me the freedom to even bring up racial issues. Hmm. So you, so there's that, I think there needs to be a space where even if you're in a white community, it would be important for your kids to feel like they can still bring up race.
0: So good. And, yeah.
1: Um, Cause I think it's like, well, we're not, we don't see you for your race or the whole colorblind narrative, Right, right, right. We're now revisiting. Um, Right. So that is one aspect. Um, Yeah. And so I think, but I also see the gift in being in a diverse place and having your children see others like them. Mm -hmm. And I think make, make their associations and their experiences hands on than maybe what they see on TV or what's been portrayed in the news. Um, Because I think there's, there's a shift in that too. And that's across the board, but I guess yeah. specifically, if you're, yeah, you're the only one. It's, right. Right. It's yeah. It's not easy. And I know too, something that I've been really wrestling with is like not being enough of either race. It's like, I'm not white enough, obviously. Um, but I'm also not black enough because I'm not culturally aware. Um, and that's something I'm literally facing to this day and raising my Brown children in um, a diverse community, but my husband and I are honest. About how our media community is still very white, and so what does that mean for us, um, and how we want to raise our kids and um, the community. And
0: have you come to any conclusions? I mean, what are the like points for you now that of things that you are pursuing?
1: Yeah, I think for us, first and foremost, like we want our boys really to not only know their self worth, but the self worth of others. That's like at the forefront. So like, it doesn't matter. At, in the beginning, like your culture, your race, like we need to show kindness and we need to show respect across the board. Um, but I also want our boys to have experiences and acknowledgements of their race and their ethnicities and um, their cultures. And so my kids are two major, two major races. And so I want to make sure like, can we tap into this Haitian culture of my husband and then this native American culture that I'm just now realizing i have the reunification, and what does that journey look like of embracing this culture that i'm also just barely beginning to know it's a it's a challenge for me in particular like i look at my friend group and most of them are white and it's that hard question of like why aren't you having black women in your circles that your boys can see outside of you mm. um, and so you know a part of it is that tension of like well i don't feel black enough because i don't know mm. a lot of the culture mm. but then i'm around white people and there's tons of microaggressions that i face every day mm. and i wrestle with that and um being honest and being like it's a hard space and i think sometimes parents want to avoid that tension and be like i don't want my kid to not feel white enough or black enough and I, part of me is like i think we just need to accept that that's going to be the dynamic yeah in transracial adoption that's unless so just good. embrace that yeah. instead of trying to like don't get me wrong bring others in Like, it's so good to just have a diverse palette of community, but don't try to do it to avoid these really heavy feelings.
0: That's such a good point, because I think that that is the case with adoption in general. We try to, like, remove every roadblock and create, like, okay, how can I make this as perfect as possible? And we're just, we're taking something broken and, like, pretending that it's not broken instead of just being, like, This is broken. God redeems it. There's beauty in the brokenness. And we don't need to like pretend that like everything is as it was supposed to be. We can just sort of embrace it and thank God for his redemption of it. My chat to make sure that you know about the Real Mom Podcast landing page. You can find it at www.realmompodcast.com. There I connect you to my guests, I connect you to all the resources and books and recipes and shows and everything that we discuss. That will be the best place for you to get the Real Mom Podcast experience. Visit there, www.realmompodcast.com. All right, now you hinted at reunification. Yeah. So tell me what this looks like for your story.
1: Right. So I knew I had birth siblings, and like I said, I also knew my birth mom wasn't able to parent, and so she ended up um, having her parental rights taken from her or relinquished from her by the state. Um, yeah. For different circumstances. I'm the third of four children, and growing up, I always wanted to reunify um and you knew growing up that
0: that there were birth siblings okay yeah
1: so i knew i had birth siblings and i'd wanted to reconnect with them but knowing my adoption was closed i had very little information yeah but i always thought i would be the one pursuing reunification i didn't know if they even knew i existed um and i obviously didn't know where they were and so it just really felt like this big not issue, but just big journey that I just didn't know how to necessarily grapple, but I knew it was there, that the desire to reconnect was there. It has always been there. I feel like it will always be there for an adoptee. Um, and then rewind a year ago, um, I had told the Lord last spring, I was like, you know, I'm really, really deep into motherhood, and I just can't really walk around with this, this desire, but this burden of trying to reunify with my, my older siblings. I just need to shelve it for a couple years and i'll come back to it
0: Hmm.
1: you know there it is two weeks later i get a phone call and the woman on the other line is like hey this is my name and if this is who you are i believe i'm your sister
0: oh my gosh and isn't that how it always is you surrender it you're like i'm not gonna hold for this i'm not gonna fight and then god did that thing in your heart and now you're ready for it 100 percent. holy i have chills
1: yeah, it's. I mean, people are like, You're, "You act so calm." I'm like, I still feel like I'm in this surreal. Oh my space gosh! Wow, we're here. So it's been a year. Oh my gosh! Yeah, the first honestly, the first couple of days, it was great. So we ended up having a conversation, and it was true. Like some of the facts that she was sharing, what I had known, aligned. And I was with my mom, and she was like, "Yeah, this is what I've told you all along," you know. And so, um, so then my sister started sharing, like, you know, I just really started being intentional about finding you and a week ago I got contact with our birth mom and then I get contact with you yeah so it was just so fresh for all of us wow yeah and she um and my eldest brother were placed together so they've always been together okay and myself and then we have a younger brother who was also not placed with me and is was in the foster system um and I believe aged out and so it was just a whirlwind we met a week and a half later in IHOP, which I don't recommend doing in a public space. <laughs> in IHOP. But you know, we were there to eat and to, to reacquaint each other reacquaint one another. So it was it was phenomenal. It was such a gift to me to to see the faces that I actually look like because that was wow. a question. And yeah. um, to see the similarities and obviously acknowledge the differences. And then we FaceTimed our birth mom, which was the first time I'd ever seen her.
0: Wow.
1: I'm telling you, maybe don't do this in an IHOP. But so we're just an emotional wreck. But it was just this beautiful thing of like, wow, I really thought my birth mom was dead. And so it's like, she's alive and well. And I'm looking at her and I'm seeing that out of all of us, we look the same, which is something I always wondered. And so it was just, it was a really cool thing. And then even just having my mom and my birth mom connect for the first time. Oh
0: my gosh. Oh, as a mom, that just gets me. Right. And
1: I just, I was telling growing up, people would ask like, Oh, do you want to meet your birth mom? And a lot of it was just this neutral feeling of like, I can, but that isn't really where my desire is. My desire is my siblings. Hmm. Um, But then to really see the face of my mom, my biological mom, and then really have her say like, I thank you for raising her. Like, blown like my mind was blown I was I don't usually cry and I was a wreck on the floor and uh. I hop and it was like you know I needed that I needed that moment of healing and that moment of connection and I think it so was that- it a
0: moment of healing or has it been I mean this was a year ago right yeah, so yeah. what does it look like since that day of the past year now of knowing these things but still it's not like okay now everything's better like this was the answer and now I have the answer
1: Right. It's actually been one of the hardest relational journeys I'm I'm on. I'm sure. Uh, it's current and I feel like it's a it's a weird tension of like we're blood and we should like be so excited and like comfortable, but then there's this whole real aspect of like y'all are strangers. Like I right. don't know you. And so the past 6 months have really looked like my sister and I get together once a month by ourselves to just kind of reconnect which has been very healing in that sense for me and I think for her Um, and then like in a couple weeks it's my birthday and so like her kids and her husband and my kids and my husband will go meet at the park and we'll celebrate so it kind of looks a little bit of both of like really bringing in all of the tribe together my brother also has three children and just seeing our families just be together and learn from one another but then there's this personal aspect of like it's just taking me I think the longest to really feel safe and secure in these relationships and mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that my siblings are like take your time and we're not rushing you mm-hmm. and I think they get that like they've been together forever yeah yeah knew I existed and they've been wanting to pursue and I'm still i like wow you guys are here and how do I like how yeah. do I move forward in that? Yeah, the catch
0: up of yes. that. And then did you grow up with adoptive siblings at all? No. Yeah. So even just that dynamic of what like sibling relationships look like, and that's just like a whole new world for you.
1: Yeah. It's, it's been, strangers. Really <laughs> yeah. And it's been eye opening to watch my boys be brothers because mm-hmm. I've never seen it. And my right. husband's from one of five brothers. And so, just even those dynamics of like, oh, I can see why, even as a young kid, I had this pulled to be with my siblings, because um, there's something sweet about that, you know? And so, um, yeah, it, even it, yeah, it's like, wow, I have kids that are related and are siblings. Like, it's just these different layers yeah, of yeah. dynamics of my family.
0: Okay. So, like I said, a lot of the people who listen are adoptive moms, foster moms, what, how, what was your mom's stance and like positioning throughout your whole journey from childhood to adulthood of you pursuing that, even though you didn't actively pursue it, like wanting that and it always being there, like how did she handle that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I, the thing that I love about my mom is just having this invitation of conversation and yeah. In that she's like, I'm learning alongside you. So even a year ago, when this kind of just came into my lap, she was like, this is an opportunity for both of us to learn about you and about your story. And there's, I think because my mom educated herself, she knew the conversations in adolescence that may happen in 18 years, that when I had questions of like, I want to know my birth family, that never equated me replacing her, that never equated her mothering me being less valued. Um, and I think that's the narratives that I feel like adoptive parents are holding on to.
0: Right. Right.
1: Is this idea of being replaced or are my kids going to resent me or um, is there going to be more anger as their birth story unfolds? And I think for me, obviously you can't protect your kids from all of it, but I think if you're just continuing to be open and honest and a participant in learning their story, I would Hope to believe that your child or an adoptee will take that and run with that instead of yes. putting walls up. And also, it's like, is it really about you? And I know that's hard to hear.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: as parents, I even ask myself these things with my biological children, but it's like, is it really about you or is it really about your child who has the right to know? Yeah. You know? And so that's something that my mom continues to do well is that she is eager and ready to listen to what I'm even unfolding and experiencing. And she encourages that, that journey really well. And I'm so grateful.
0: That's so great. So she's been an ally to you through even just the past year. And would you say, just because I feel like I can guess your answer and I feel like it's going to make some adoptive parents feel better. Would you say that reconnecting with your family has strengthened or weakened your bond with your adoptive mom?
1: Right overall it's definitely strengthened i think the experiences that my siblings have had they were adopted as teens and the experience i had with my mom is completely different mm-hmm. and so there's just a a deeper sense of gratitude mm-hmm. towards my specific story with her um i think What I appreciate is my mom allows the grief and she allows the loss and she allows the gratitude and she allows the anger. She allows the frustration. So she allows it all. And I think doing so through all these years and now coming up into these new relationships in this new season, it's really built this trust that, I can now have the bravery to go into new relationships. In, so and, new ways. and So, so
0: can yeah. I have your mom's phone number? Cause I want to be friends yeah. with her. 100%. 100%. <laughs>
1: awesome.
0: All right. So I want to ask you something pretty sensitive okay. that I feel like needs to be asked because we keep talking about how well your mom did educating herself. And I know as an adoptive mom, listening to the voices of adoptees has been huge to me, but here's the sensitive part just to be totally frank a lot of the voices are hard to listen to. So everything that you're saying, I'm like, yes, yes. There are a lot of adoptees that I follow and that I listen to that are it to me, it's like eating your vegetables and like holding your nose and putting it in and swallowing it. Cause I'm like, I need to hear this, but The way you're talking about gratitude and relationship and so many of the loudest voices of adoptees in our sort of internet circles advocacy are just to be like uh, overly like label people, a lot of anger, a lot of resentment, talk about kidnapping and the selfishness of adoptive parents and this sort of thing how do you think an adoptive parent should enter this narrative of like, I want to hear the voices of adoptees when it it can be so hard?
1: Yep. And it's, yeah. Um, I've had to unfollow some adoptees. I think a lot of that is, there's three parts, I think. One is as parents in general, and I think specifically in this community, we do need to be mindful of what we let in yeah across the board and so um my fear and i feel like sometimes my tone is different than the adoptee next to me but my fear is that in any conversation when someone is angry it's very hard to sit in that it's very hard to sit at the table and have people be angry be resentful and really take their personal experience and kind of vomit on you Mm -hmm. um for the sake of the adopted child or for the sake of my future me, right? To whomever is speaking. So I think it's clear that, yes, you need to hear hard conversations. Um, I think we're berated with that in general, let alone in this community. And so I think it's even almost this idea of like compassion fatigue we're feeling because it's like, I want to hear it all, but then you're getting hit. And so just as parents, I think we need to guard, and guard our ears to guide our children. And so I think it's just, you do need to be selective and it's okay. If there's a voice or voices that are, are too hard in this season, I think that's okay. Um, and I think there is also an aspect of, for me when I hear someone or an adoptee only angry or only resentful, um, or accusatory, I really ask like, where have you done your soul work? Because I think you can have these range of emotions, but if you're really harping on resentment, what's the quality of life in that? Where where are you really working on forgiveness, which is such a powerful tool for us as adoptees? Right, right. And forgiveness doesn't mean forgetfulness. I know that's a phrase that people have shared, but it's true. I think... Sometimes I really strive to be a well-rounded person and a whole more holistic individual, and that takes work, and that takes honesty and acceptance, and so I really believe that I can have anger or I can have frustration, but I can also find delight, and I can find joy, and I can find gratefulness, and it can all be in the same. It's not exclusive yes. to one another. Right.
0: So, Yeah, we talk about this on here all the time. Just the tension of things are not one or the other. It's not that like, oh, everything's great. And I'm just going to, it's that we can hold things in tension. We can hold the pain and the joy in tension.
1: Right. I think too, something that I'm learning, because there are a lot of adoptee voices and I even have to remind myself to be courageous in my own story. Mm -hmm. Because it feels oversaturated, to be honest, um, is that the way I approach these conversations, I look at it as a table and I want to extend the leaps at my table because I want more seats to be filled. And by doing that, I really need to do that in grace. And so, you know, it's, and just an understanding that it's not going to be perfect. You're not going to be perfect as an adoptive parent. I'm not going to be perfect um, as a parent or an adoptee. Yeah. But I think if we can all sit and really listen to the stories that I, I hope and pray are grace filled I feel like we can do more waves of change and more movements within this community. Um, Our community is so unique. And that's something where it's like, let's advocate for one another. Um, And let's like this thing. I really feel like I'm in and why I'm being so bold is not only have I found people within this community that have encouraged me to keep sharing my story, but there's a call for all of us to rise up as storytellers and, I think we can only do that when we do create a safer space that is, that is open to hearing the hard, but really comes back to the grounding of like, we're here because we're better together and that's Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Let's do that by sharing and um, understanding stories. Let's do that for one another and and call one another to rise up as well.
0: That is really good. And I think that that is what's in it for all of us is it's going to be easier for all of us to listen if words are spoken in grace and then we all need to be open to listening when things are hard and you know i i don't want adoptees to have to sanitize their stories for us for it to be more palatable for me as a parent it's just more if we all speak with grace then we can receive with grace and it's just going to create better and healthier and happier homes for the next generation of adoptees. I mean, that's what this is about. And I think that's where the conversation of grace is so important because this is about this next generation of these kids that we want to do better for and that we want to have these conversations so that we can love them well. All right, can we switch gears? I want to know about you personally, what you're doing, what you're eating, what you're reading, what you're watching and what you're listening to. So what are you doing?
1: What am I doing? I, gosh, I'm adding another cup of joe for today. That's for sure. <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. Um,
0: all day, every all day. day.
1: You, that's also what I'm drinking is coffee. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm really, I'm trying to, in my motherhood journey, be honest about the hopes and dreams that I have and to pursue them without guilt. Mm. That's what I'm doing. Um, I think in this season and um, what am I eating? Yeah, what are you eating? Gosh, you know, a lot of cereal, and <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, like, some easy meals. Yeah. yeah.
0: Life with a two- and three-year-old.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a lot of, like, what can be easy and maybe microwaved. And yeah.
0: <laughs> No, nope, you know, I feel you. Go there. I love, I prefer that so much to the person who's like, well, I'm on the raw whole,
1: th-, and I'm like, oh, gosh. Oh, no. That's Eto, not me right whatever. now. Yeah, no, yeah. paleo, paleo, whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. It's what are you reading? Over. What am I reading? <sighs> that's a good question. I feel like I have four books on my nightstand, which is horrible. That's I don't. That's I've learned to just. This season, I'm actually not really reading, and that's okay. Like okay, I have. Yep. To but I'm in towards the end of um Present Over Perfect. Okay. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, Sean. Is it Shauna? Yeah. and Nyquist? Yeah. Cool. Okay, what are you watching?
1: Whew! I, um... So, I'm a Netflix fan. We don't actually have TV. Are so you
0: watching don't. Stranger Things?
1: You know what? I'm not. Oh, no. Okay. So I'm not a thrill-type... I'm not gonna lie. I'm in, really into Asian romantic drama. <laughs> which <laughs> no one ever it's expects. so specific. You should literally look at my Netflix genre it's very much in its subtitles
0: what about that movie the maybe one that just came out that's not a drama but i know it's It's a comedy yes Yes.
1: oh it was good it's that's if you see my cute people are like really my husband will walk in and be like are you like learning mandarin i'm like yes (laughs) yes so that's my been my surprise jam and it's been you know mentally healing for me some nights so you
0: do you you have to do whatever is gonna bring you joy right? that one does not make sense to me
1: <laughs> no so many people are like that one caught me off guard i'm like all right
0: <laughs> that's awesome okay what are you listening to
1: that's really good i'm who i am really digging um leon bridges he's like a soul soul
0: r&b
1: and then so now andy,
0: i have someone to look up
1: yeah look up leon and then there's andy Grammer. Mm. he's coming out with a new cd in a couple of weeks cool and he's my jam okay yeah so i kind of like kinda like a different genre but soul and some good pop you know
0: yeah cool yeah all right it has been fun to get to know you and more than that man what i that question that i ended with of just how do we listen you are someone who i think is a gift to the community to be able to listen to because i don't want you to just say like everything's great and i am like i have this perfect relationship with my mom and i'm well adjusted and i want to hear the hard but i want to hear it because you want to share it because you want to come alongside of us and and i think that you're a gift in the way that you share about your story your relationships your relationship with the lord so i'm really grateful for that so thank you just for being open you know you said to me when we started i'm an open book and that's a gift to us to have an open book who just the motive and the heart there is just love for us and our kids so i'm grateful for that so thank you Charday, so much for your time and your voice thanks so much for listening to this episode of the real mom podcast You can find us online, www.realmompodcast.com or on iTunes and subscribe. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash realmompodcast or Instagram at realmompodcast. Thanks so much for listening.